Hey, I just have a, a little word of encouragement to share before I get off in my message. You know, we were singing songs all morning about the goodness of God, and I just, I just felt the Lord saying some things to me. How many of you have had a time in your life where you felt like you weren't living in the goodness of the Lord? Have any of you ever been through those seasons? Come on, let's be honest. Raise your hand if you, if you like. Okay? We, we've all been there, amen? And I just feel like this morning there's some of us here and we're just going, you know what? I love Jesus, but I'm not living in the goodness of the Lord right now. I want to tell you, in those times, it's not the time to shrink back. It's not the time to silence your praise. That's the time when we sing out louder than ever, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land that I'm living in. It's our declaration of love and our declaration of faith to God. To say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I'm feeling. I don't care what I'm experiencing. I know my God. I know his word. I know what he's promised me. And I'm going to stand firm on my faith until I see the goodness of the Lord. Marietta, that word's for you specifically this morning. So if you're here today and you go, Jody, I I know that God's good, but I'm just not sensing it right now. Your day's coming. I just figured somebody would be more excited about that than you are. (laughs) If you're not living in the goodness of the Lord, your day's coming, church. Your day's coming. But don't quit. Don't shrink back. So there's my word of encouragement. All right. This week, we're in part four of a series we've been doing on the body of Christ. Last week, we just had this smoking hot blonde up here. Uh, my wife, by the way. Hey, that was a little too rowdy on the smoke. That's my smoking hot blonde. I got the, I got the paperwork on her, right? So my wife shared last week, and... and um, she had a great point in talking about being as the body of Christ, uh, that we need to be wholly devoted to our God. And that's a specialty of my wife because she really is wholly devoted to the Lord, and she reminds me every once in a while to be the same. So I appreciate what she did last week. I want to continue in that vein. You know, when we talk about the body of Christ, it's important. We all need to know this, that there's a couple of different um, couple of different parts to being the body of Christ. Number one is that if you are born again, you individually are the body of Christ. Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So raise your hand if you're born again here today. All right, congratulations, you are now the body of Christ, right? Individually, we are the body of Christ. But also when we come together corporately, we are the the body of Christ, right? And so as we're talking about the subject of the body of Christ, it's kind of, you kind of got to track between which of it, which part of this subject is personal and which part of this subject is corporate. This morning, I want to speak mostly toward the corporate end of things, us here together, okay? What happens when we come together as the body of Christ? And, um, there's, there's, one, there's several purposes for the body of Christ in the earth. You know, I've, I've heard it said, and you probably have too, that if God didn't have a purpose for us after salvation, then when we got born again, he'd just shoot us up to heaven. And we'd, we'd just be up there. But he didn't. He left us down here, and he left us for a reason. And there's several, several purposes that we fulfill as the body of Christ. One of those, though, is this, is to house the glory 
of God. The body of Christ, one of our purposes is to house or display the glory of God. In other words, when the world looks at us, imagine them seeing the glory of God. Especially as we gather corporately as the church, as the body of Christ, that the glory of God would be displayed. It's one of our purposes. And some of you are looking over at your neighbor going, God, you better get it together. <laughs> now, I, I, w- I really wanted to ask this question um, because talking about the, the glory of God, I don't know how you were raised or, or what your religious background is. Mine, I mean, I was raised very much in the charismatic. We call it full gospel. Do we have any full gospel people here? It's like, that's what I was raised in, which was really pretty smug of us. Like, we have the full gospel. The implication is you only have part of the gospel. We're the only ones who have all of it. So we apologize. But I was very much raised in that. And, um, and you know, kind of our aim back then when we came to church, this is going to sound ridiculous, like, like this isn't still our aim. But the aim back then was when we come together, what we wanted, I mean, above anything else, that the glory of the Lord would show up in our midst. And I've experienced some of those moments. I mean, I I could share some stories with you that would run you right out of this room. But I I wanted to ask this question. I don't know where, you know, what you were raised in, but this this morning I want to show three times in the Old Testament where the tangible glory of God showed up in the temple among the people. But before I do that, I want to ask you this. How many of you, would honestly say, and please don't, don't, don't just give me an answer you think I want to hear, but everybody vote on this, okay? Everybody's got to vote. How many of you would say, I would love nothing more to be in the room with the body of Christ when the glory of God showed up? Would you raise your hand if that's you? Okay. Now, no judgment. How many of you are like, no thanks? So we're all wanting the glory? I think we're all interested in that, in the glory of God, because part of our job as the body of Christ is is to display or to house the glory of God. And so when God shows up, things get interesting. Remember that thing called the day of Pentecost? If you you haven't read Acts chapter 2, you ought to read that, because God showed up, and the whole community knew about it. So this thing gets a little wild, but, but I think we're all just a little interested. We're all just a little bit like, I'd like to be there. I might want to be on the back row, but I'd like to be there. All right. So I think that at least piques our interest as the body of Christ. And, and we really need to understand that that's part of our purpose is to house the glory of God. So I want to show you three times in the Old Testament when the tangible glory of God showed up among the people. And then I want to talk about what that means for you and I. Like, is there an application for November 2022 based on these passages? So turn with me to the book of Exodus, the 40th chapter. And I want to show you the first time this thing happens. And let's just look at what was surrounding it and then what, what it means for you and I. So before we get into our passage, just turn to Exodus 40 and I'll meet you there in a minute. But let me give you a little context, okay? So remember that the book of Exodus 
um, is about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. So they come out of bondage. Then they go on their travels. And on their travels, the Lord gives them the law. In other words, he just kind of starts showing them how he operates. Like this is the way that you are to live if you're part of my family. So he gives them the law. But then he gives Moses the instructions. He said, I want you to build me a tabernacle. Now, listen to this. Everybody, y'all need to know this. The tabernacle was a portable version of church. Because remember, they didn't have their own nation yet. They weren't established. They were traveling. And so they needed a church, a building, that they could tear down, move with them, and put it back up. So the tabernacle is the portable version of the church. So God gives Moses the instructions on how to build this thing, and it was intricate. You ought to read these things. I mean, it was, there was a lot involved in the building of this. I mean, they couldn't just use random material. Everything was specific. There was all kind of decorations and instruments and, and furniture in there. I mean, it was very involved. So God gives Moses the instructions, and, and we pick up in, in actually in chapter 39 of Exodus, I think it's in verse 32, it says that, that they had... Uh, at this point, the, the people, the workers, had finished making all the materials and everything that would go together to construct the tabernacle, okay? So all the goldsmiths had done their thing. All the tapestry people had done their thing. All the pieces were together, all right? And in Exodus chapter 40, what we find is they set it up for the first time. And, and if you begin reading in Exodus chapter 40, verse 1 through verse 15, what you'll find is, is that God tells Moses, he said, now remember, when you go to set this thing up, remember to put this here. And then remember to put this over there. And remember to stand this up and remember to place this here. And he just kind of walks through like, like step by step, verses 1 through 15 of Exodus 40 is God telling Moses, remember now, this goes here and this goes there. He gives them the specific instructions on how to put this thing together. Then, beginning in verse 16 of, of Exodus 40, you'll find that Moses did what God told him to do. So, so you're, you're to put this here, then it says Moses put it there. You're to stand this up, Moses stood it up, okay? So it's specific instructions like this. You know, point by point. And even as they were preparing to stand this thing up, like, like they even had to get the priest dressed right. They, they had to, the, the priest had to wash in certain ways. There were things that needed to be anointed. So there was a lot going on here. This wasn't just a barn raising. This was, this was a lot of intricate stuff going on right here. And when they finally get it all up, Here's, here's what we find. Join with me in Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 34. Here's what happened after they set it all up. It says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. First time we see in Scripture, where the glory of God appears in the tabernacle. But it wasn't until all the little elements were put into place. There was a great deal of, de a great, um, deal of detail that went into to, to the setting this thing up, and the glory didn't come until all the elements were in place. And the Bible said that a cloud filled the room. Can you imagine that this morning? 
Some of you are like, what are we doing, Jody? Can you imagine if a thick cloud began to build in this room right now and the tangible presence of God showed up? Oh, I'm hungry for that day, church. I'm hungry for that day where we don't just do church and go through the motions, but the glory of God shows up among his people. This cloud, this cloud filled the room so much so that Moses couldn't even, couldn't even go in the place. Pretty freaky. But it didn't happen until all the elements were in place. Now, Jody, what does that have to do with us today? Here, here's what I believe the Lord is saying to us in this day from that passage of Scripture is that if we are truly as the body of Christ going to fulfill our purpose of housing and displaying the glory of God, the elements have to be in place. And what I'm not saying to you is that we need to have all the church programs in place. I'm not saying, well, if we get a feeding program, the glory of God's going to come. If we have a, a single mother's ministry, oh, man, that's the... If, if we can get our Sunday school just right, if children's ministry or youth ministry, because we all think that away. We're all geared toward this institutional program-based organization. But I don't believe that's what God would say to us today. I believe that God would say to us, the materials that need to be arranged are human beings. The elements and the instruments and the things to be put in place are you and I. And that he wants to manifest his glory among his body, but we got to get the things in place. The problem is some of us don't know that we bring anything to the table. That we don't know that I show up here not just to receive, but I show up here as an integral part of the body of Christ. And as the body, I need to allow the master to position me so that I can bring value to the body of Christ because I want to display my glory in my body. It was interesting because when the glory came, that was well, so crazy. When the glory came, the famous guy among them, Moses, he couldn't even get in the place. So it just... It kind of shows me that God wants to show up in a way that only brings glory to him, that overshadows names and personalities and talents and skill sets. God wants to show up in a way that only he can receive glory from it. I'm hungry for the presence of God, but not so victory can have a better name. Not so Jody and Laurie could have a bigger platform for ministry. No, I want the glory to show up at victory because I want my God to be seen among the nations and for my God to receive the glory that he is due. I'm ready for that, church. But you got to understand if you're part of this body, then you're part of it. You're one of those pieces that need to be put in place so that his glory can show up. I... You know, several years ago, um, Laurie and I had a time where, where we left here and, and I actually went to Bible school and, and, um, and I was over there in school and it was the first time in my life, listen to me, I was 35 years old, it was the first time in my life where I ever had to shop churches. 
I'd heard my whole life about people looking for a church. How many of you have looked for a church? Okay, I knew nothing about, of your experience because I was born right here. My parents were in ministry. I had never looked for a church. I was born into a church. I didn't know there were options. <laughs> my whole life, I'd never looked for a church. And, and while we were in Bible school, um, we just needed a place for our family to go to church. And so we started visiting these churches. And it was the first time in my life, listen to me now, it was the first time in my life where I ever walked into a church service and had zero responsibility there. Like, this thing's going to happen without me. It was liberating. For somebody who had been in ministry forever, it was liberating. So I understand. But the problem is some of you have the exact opposite experience that I have. That you have never walked into a church feeling responsibility. The only thing you've ever walked into a church to do was to be a consumer and to sit and receive. And can I tell you, church, the glory of God is not going to sit on a consumer-driven church. The glory of God has come to sit on the living, the living church. You and I, each one of us. Come on, somebody here is a table leg. Somebody here is a curtain. Somebody here is, is an instrument. Some, we all have a part to play in this thing but I I don't thank God because I can't the Holy Spirit is going to have to get that into your head that you didn't come here just to receive you are part of this thing and if we are truly ready to fulfill our destiny as, as the, the body of Christ that displays the glory of God you and I are going to have to engage in the process turn to your neighbor and say we need you Second place in scripture where we find that, um, that the glory of God shows up. If you'll flip over just a few chapters to the, I mean, a few uh, books to the, to the right, you'll find the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, we're going we're gonna to be in chapter 5. So Moses had built the tabernacle, which was the portable version of the church. But by the time we get to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, what well, we find that Israel is, has a nation, has land. The city of Jerusalem is established. And the king of Israel is now Solomon. And Solomon is going to build the permanent version of the church. It's not called the tabernacle. It's called the temple. So Solomon is there to build the temple. Same thing happens with him. He goes through all the details of, of getting everything put in place and everything that has to happen. And actually, if you, if you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, you find the same type of verse that says, and he did it. Like, he's got every, everybody produced what they were supposed to produce. Everything was in place. All the materials were there, right? And, and they, they put this thing together. And so they build the temple and when they do, then they schedule their grand opening. Now, they don't call it a grand opening, but that's what it was. The dedication service for the temple. So they all gather around, and uh, everything is in place. And, but they include something here that we don't find in, 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 um, back in Exodus. 
So when they build the temple, here's, here's what they brought into it as their, the dedication service, when they're dedicating this building to the Lord. Solomon stands up and join with me in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13. It says, and they brought the trumpeters and the singers, and they performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Listen to that statement. Keep that verse up there for me. Look at this last statement. How audacious of God that his presence would fill his temple. Y'all did not catch what I just did. How dare God, his own presence, show up in his own house. Church, we ought to be offended when his presence doesn't fill his house. We ought to be offended when he doesn't even want to be in his own residence. That's just good preaching right there. I don't care who you are. If you won't do it for me, I'll do it for myself. But you know, so, so here we go again, another thick cloud. The, the very tangible presence of God shows up right in the middle of his people. But there was a key ingredient. So we say that the ingredient for the first time back in Exodus chapter 40 was that they had placed all the stuff, all, everything was in order. And we see that again here in 2 Chronicles 5, but we see an additional element. And this additional element was worship. It was the worship of God. And, um, you know, as a former worship leader, I want so much. I look out, I look at people who love Jesus, and I say, I want so much for you to be worshipers. To be able to open your heart up before the Lord. I don't care what your denominational background is. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I don't care what you're comfortable with. When you see and know the Lord, worship comes out of you. And I am so hungry to be in a, in a family of God who is 1,000% dedicated to lifting their voice at the top of their lungs and declaring he is good. His faithful love endures forever with energy and passion and everything in them saying to themselves, waking up in the morning saying, oh my soul, bless the Lord. You will bless the Lord today. Don't care what you feel like. Don't care what it looks like. Don't care what the barometric pressure is, whether the sun's shining or the clouds there, whether it's hot or cold. It doesn't matter. I'm a worshiper and the key to the presence of God showing up here was a room full of worshipers and I just think that the Lord deserves way more than we give him in the form of worship he deserves way more than a half-hearted you are good in the morning I might say you are good and if I've had a good day in the evening, I'll say you are good. 
they started that song earlier. Mm. I, I just got that little, you are good. I just can't help it because you know what I know? My God is good. He's good. He's good all the time. He's not just good during Thanksgiving. He's good. We were singing that song about, about seeing his goodness and his goodness being evident. And I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about the family I came from saying, you're good, God. I was thinking about the bed I slept in last night saying, you're good, God. I was thinking about the wife you gave me saying, you're good, God. My children, my grandchildren, the fact that there's food in my refrigerator. I just kept, you're good, God. You're good. You're good. And I'm telling you, church, it's time for us to stand up with a voice and begin to declare the goodness of our God over this nation. To declare who he is. The trick is first, we got to know him. Because if you don't know him, you don't know he's good. It's just a platitude. It's just something religious you throw out there. I'm hungry to be with a family who's going after the heart of God and we know him. We know his goodness. We know his faithfulness. We, we've been there with him. That's what I'm hungry for, church. Enough, enough of that. Second time that the glory of the Lord filled the temple was due to worship. And then if you'll flip a couple of chapters more to the right, to 2 Chronicles verse, chapter 7, you'll find that in that same dedication service, in that same dedication service, the glory of the Lord showed up again. But... um. So this is, you know, I, it's kind of hard to understand the exact timeline of how this is happening, but it looks like it's the same event. So they had worshiped and they had sung these songs and a, and a big cloud showed up and it wrecked everybody. The, the, people, the ministers couldn't stand. See, the key to getting me off stage is the glory of God. If you're like, Jody, you talk too long. Great. Just let the glory show up. You don't have to hear from Jody. Some of you ought to be excited about that. So they had worshiped and the glory cloud filled it. But then um, the, uh, Solomon ends up praying this prayer, this beautiful prayer. You need to, you need to read it in, um, in, in 2 Corinthians 7. And then uh, after he prays this prayer, here's, here's what happened after that. Verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. said, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven. Come on, Jesus. And burn up the offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. I love that. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence, there it is again, of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He's good, His faithful love endures forever. In Exodus chapter 40, we saw that they got all the things just in place. They got it all set up just right and the glory came. In 1 Chronicles 5, they, they had everything in place and they worshiped and the glory came. In this one though, the, the offerings and the sacrifices had been put in place. It was a time of offering. Now I'm not talking about taking up an offering. I'm talking about Things dying and being laid on the altar. Things dying and being laid on the altar. And in that moment, the fire came. 
Imagine having that church service. We do have sprinkler systems in this building. I'm not sure what the glory of God and fire coming down would do there. Might run a lot of electronics with the sprinkler system. That's funny, by the way, for all you construction guys, that's you. The glory came, but it was, it was to, to, to accept or to burn up the offerings. Now, when we think of offerings, um, I don't know what goes through your mind, but if you'll keep reading there in Second Chronicles chapter 7, you'll find out that on that day that Solomon sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Are y'all not amazed by that like I am? We're talking about a lot of beef. I mean, what's for, what's for lunch? Dinner on the grounds, church. I mean, all you Baptists, dinner on the grounds. There's a lot of protein here. So the sacrifice was about something dying and being laid on the altar. And I just think what the Lord would say to us today is if we want to see the glory of God displayed in our body, something needs to die and be laid on the altar. And I don't know about you, but I think that something is me. It's the idea, once again, that I'm not here to receive. I'm not here to consume. I'm not the point here. I'm not the big deal here. I am here as fuel for the fire of God. Romans 12 tells us, Paul writing, and I love how he writes it. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that word beseech means I beg, I plead. It kind of feels what I'm doing, like what I'm doing right here today. Looking into the eyes of men and women saying, I beseech you, brethren, give your whole life to him a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to him. That is our reasonable act of worship. I appreciate you being here. Some of you have contributed financially. Thank you. But listen, all that can go away. What I'm hungry for is a group of people who say, I will lay my life down. I will die to self. I will stand up and declare, like it does in Galatians, that I am dead with, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. I am the sacrifice. And I think God is doing a work in his church, causing us to die to self to die to our Western appetites and understand that we are only alive in him. And so these are three instances that the tangible glory of God filled his church. I think it can happen today. I think it will happen today. But I think if, if we want to be that if we want to be that, we've got to understand that I'm the furniture that needs to be rearranged. I'm part of this thing. Lord, plug me into your bodies. Show me my place so that all the elements can be in place in the tabernacle. And this, we can, we can house your glory. Lord, make us worshipers. Make us a house of worship. The Bible says that, that God is seated on the praises of his people. 
My question is, if he would have showed up today, what kind of seat would we have given him? Come on, look at your neighbor and ask him, what'd you bring? And lastly, we need to understand if we're going to truly fulfill our purpose as the body of Christ in displaying the glory of God, then we need to learn that our job is to be laid out before him and offering. Would you stand up with me, please? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And here's how I would like for us to end here this morning. First of all, I would like to ask that nobody move. I know, I know we all like to get in there and get our kids before the long line gets long in Kidmo. But if I can just um, ask you to hang with me for a minute. We're not officially finished with this service yet. The way I want to end is I, I've asked the worship team to give us an opportunity to worship to lead us in another worship song. But this isn't a song that I, I think you ought to sit back and spectate on. I'm sure there's going to be some beautiful guitar work coming out of Juan over there. But your job is to not sit there and listen to his guitar work or these vocals coming out of Nakoda. Our job is to be an instrument of worship unto our God. And my prayer is that he would do something in us this morning and how many, if the cloud showed up, that'd be okay too. <laughs> it's funny. If y'all could see from my standpoint, if the fire showed up and you're like, mm. would you just bow your heads? And would you just begin to maybe just talk to the Lord about his glory and about being a house, a, being a place, being an individual, being part of a body who just displays the glory of God. Lord, would you soften our hearts in this way? Would you give us a hunger, a hunger to truly, to truly display your glory to the world around us? Show, it, show us what it means to be your body. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up worshipers in here. Raise up worshipers in here. Hey, can I ask you something? Look up at me. How many of you'd say, Jody, I really want to be a worshiper. I'm just having trouble. I just either I'm shy or I don't know what to do. If that's you, come on. Anybody in the room who say, I, I just, I know I need to take a few steps in my worship. Come on, get your hand up if that's you. Come on, how, I, I, need to, I need to take some steps, okay? All right, here we go. I just want to pray that the Lord would do something in you in this moment. In you in this moment. All right? So if that's you, just keep your hands lifted up. In fact, part of your breakthrough is going to be your hands lifted up right now. Come on, just lift them up before the Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. Mm. Oh, Lord, bring us beyond our comfort zone, Lord. Show us your worth. Show us your value, Lord God. All we need to do is see you, Jesus. Mm, that changes everything. Oh, it changes everything. Lord, give us the heart of a worshiper. The heart of a worshiper, Jesus. Lord, raise up among us. Lord, there are dads here today that need to show their sons what a man looks like who worships you, Lord. Raise up a generation of men among us, Lord, who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, raise up women, Lord God, women who worship, 
who worship. Bible tells us to sing new songs before the Lord. So maybe you just need to begin to sing your own song to Him. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Never come. 